Las Vegas. Are you between a rock and a hard place? Are you not sure if you're a sinner or a saint? Do you think you've lost your salvation? Let me take you to the New King James Version. In the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 12 through 14, and Jesus says, What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is strained? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Welcome to Save the Lost at All Costs. Posted by Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. Featuring your sister in Christ and humble servant of the Lord, Nina S. Griffin. Hello, you're listening to Sister Nina S. Griffin, and we're on Save the Lost at All Costs. I am calling you from a different location, but we are going forward with the ministry, so don't be surprised if you don't see me in the studio. Don't worry. We are going forth with the Word of God. Amen? So we're going to open up the phone lines right away. I'll attempt to take a call or two. I don't know if I can, but my engineer will let me know. The call-in number, if you're local, would be 702-650-5588. Again, I say if you're local inside the Las Vegas area and you'd like to join our discussion today, you will call 702-650-5588. If you are calling outside the Las Vegas uh, area, uh, we do have a toll-free number for you, and that toll-free number is, I have to think about it. Let me get back with you, but we are being streamed live uh, over uh, KKVV's uh website, and that is www.kkvv.com. Again, KKVV's website is www.kkvv.com. We're also being streamed live from our website, which is Save the Lost at All Costs' website, and that website address is www.savethelostlv.org. Again, if you have missed any of our previous broadcasts, please go to our website of Save the Lost at all costs, Inc., that would be www.savethelostlv.org. Click onto the broadcast that you'd like to listen to, and be blessed. The gospel is always free on our watch. We're in a series on abuse, and last week we talked about incest. And please, tell somebody about it and get blessed. Amen? Now, uh, I would like to give you uh, the toll-free number, because I said I should be giving you that. Amen? So let's get that toll-free number so that you can call in if you are calling outside the Las Vegas area. So let's look at that number. And hmm, I don't have it in front of me, so please forgive me. Charge it to my my head and not to my heart, so I will get that number for you as we go forward. Now, um, the topic that we're talking about today is spiritual abuse. We are going to be in our second part of our series on abuse. Last week we talked about incest, and today we're going to be talking about spiritual abuse. So, first of all, let's give a definition of what we would consider spiritual abuse to be. Amen? So that uh, definition would be defined as someone in a position of authority or leadership in the church, 
taking advantage of such a position by misusing such a position that God has placed them in to try and manipulate, undermine, control, abuse, or coerce them into something unbiblical and ungodly. So that would be the definition uh, that we would like to use today for spiritual abuse. Now, I want you to um, get your mind ready for an assessment so you can start thinking about where you fellowship, um, who you're connected with spiritually uh, as far as a Christ-centered relationship, what type of ministries you align yourself with. So let's look at uh, taking an assessment right now. So I'm going to say uh, some things that I'd like you to take really to heart in your mind, in your spirit, and see where you are with this. Now, these are some things to remember as you assess the ministry you're associated with or the church you attend in terms of spiritual abuse. Now, earlier we gave the definition, so let's get into what you taking this assessment. Number one, honor is earned when leaders display excellent behavior. It is not granted simply because they bear the title of leader or pastor. So honor and respect is something that is earned. It's not automatically granted because someone has a title. Uh, they may be calling themselves apostle this. They may be calling themselves bishop this. They may be calling themselves pastor this, elder this, minister this, evangelist this, brother this, sister this. So I want us to think about that. And then, number two, one church or ministry isn't the only way to love Jesus. Beware of exclusive language. When you have denominations, sometimes people will say, well, if you go over to that church, you're violating our denomination. Or if you are going to listen to that particular person, that is not anything that we would do. Be very careful when you're dealing with exclusivity. When a person who says they're in authority over you spiritually and tells you, that you can't listen to a particular denominational speaker or you can't go visit a particular house of God because it's not part of their family. So be very, very careful. Uh, number three, if you're constantly feeling afraid or ashamed, it may be time to move on. If every time you go into a worship experience environment, uh, Sunday worship, or you may be at a Bible study, you may be participating in a, a small group, or you may be uh, in a workshop, but you always are overwhelmed with feelings of being afraid or ashamed or tremendous amount of guilt. You have to reassess if that's the place that you need to begin at this particular time. So make sure that you are truly listening to the Spirit uh, when you keep having these overwhelming feelings of being afraid, ashamed, or tremendous guilt. Four, how a leader responds to you. Like defensive, angry, always blaming you, will show you whether the ministry is a safe place. You cannot feel safe in the house of God 
or in a body of believers when you're constantly on the defensive and constantly making someone angry with you and you're constantly in blame. Now, why are these people spending this negative amount of energy to combat you if you truly are brothers and sisters in Christ? So make sure you, you make a note of that. Why is it always a battle sometimes all the time? And you're constantly having to defend yourself. And people are constantly angry and blaming you all the time. All the time. Uh, number five, if you're burnt out and your ministry that you're involved with only loves you when you say yes, but pushes against you when you say no, you ought to reconsider your commitment to that ministry. Uh, we have lives. Uh, we have children. Some of us have husbands. Some of us care for elderly parents. Some of us are working. Some of us have other areas where we give and serve. So you may be overworked in the ministry, and you should not be punished because you have a life and you have other commitments and you're not able to always participate. No, you should not be punished, but you are loved only when you say yes. Hmm. Number six, sometimes awesome leaders can drift into arrogance or control. Arrogance, being puffed up, being prideful. Uh, you can't say anything to them. Well, you know, you may go up to them, for example, and say, you know, Pastor, I, I didn't quite uh, understand what you were talking about uh, when you gave the message this morning, or I have a question about what you taught about in Bible study, and you get lambasted. Or uh, if you uh, have a question and they're like, you're always disruptive, uh, you need to learn how to uh, be obedient. You need to learn how to be quiet. Um, you know, that's uh, exhibiting a form of control. Uh, we should always want to get an understanding. We should always want to be clear about what we heard, and how are we going to get that clarity if we're not able to ask a question? And if we do ask a question, we are made to feel like we are challenging uh, the pastor or the person who's put in the leadership position by merely asking a question. Uh, children ask questions all day, every day. That's how they learn. So we should be able to ask a question without feeling like uh, we have uh, challenged the pastor in a disrespectful way when disrespect was never the intent of our heart at that particular time when we asked the question. Some information was presented, and we wanted clarity. Uh, that should be normal. Seven, if the leader leads a very prestigious life, uh, you ought to have some concerns about that. When you look at it in the overall context of where the fellowship is, is this person uh, just ostentatious? Are they living way, way above everyone who is in the congregation? Uh, you know, that ought to cause you to, to think about that. And, and why is that so if only one person is living like that and everybody else is living a certain way? It's just a real, real big difference. 
So you ought to uh, concern yourself with that. And also, if some of these words pop out at you when you are dealing with uh, this person or persons, uh, authoritarianism, elitism, intimidation, manipulation, uh, accusatory, mentally in an excessive discipline, you know, these things should be something that you should take to heart. So I want to go over some scripture now. Uh, we have outlined what spiritual abuse is at this particular time. Uh, we have outlined uh, some assessment that you should be taking, some questions you should have uh, in your mind and in your heart, and to um, gauge where you are in your particular fellowship and body that you go in fellowship with and or that you are aligning yourself with. So let's uh, continue to look at some scripture. I think it's very important that we uh, start looking at that now. So I am in the New King James Version, and I want to uh, bring up the first king that Israel had. That would be King Saul. And I am going to uh, tell you the reason why he died uh, based on scripture. And we find this in First Chronicles. We're looking at chapter 10, and we're looking at verse 13. And I, I want you to catch this in your spirit, and we're going to contrast that with Second uh, Samuel uh, chapter 5, verse 2. But let's go to First Chronicles chapter 10, verse 13. Again, I'm in the New King James Version. And this is why Saul, the first king of Israel, died. So Saul died for his unfaithfulness, which he had committed against the Lord, because he did not keep the word of the Lord, and also because he consulted a medium for guidance. Now, a medium would be a soothsayer. So it's somebody who is totally against God in their approach, because they rely on themselves. They align themselves with uh, dead spirits, uh, charms, just anything that is totally in contrary to what God is about. So Saul cannot be the leader of God's people and operate in this. So, you know, we're talking about spiritual abuse. So imagine Saul was the first king, and he died because of his unfaithfulness that he committed against who? The Lord because the Lord put him in the position of spiritual authority. So who puts you in position of spiritual authority? You have to ask, uh, are these people put in their own authority, or is it God's authority? And are they preaching God's word? Are they preaching in God's houses? Are they doing something of their own power and might? We really need to be mindful of that. And it says that he did not keep God's word, and also he consulted a medium for guidance. How could you consult a medium to guide you in God's plan and purpose? So you're not looking to God's word. That's total rebellion when you are about yourself and doing God's work. That is truly a form of a spiritual abuse. But who gets affected by it? God's people. Mm. 
Now, that ought to be something that we should be pondering on right now. Now, let's look at a contrast. We are going to go to 2 Samuel, and we are going to go to the 5th chapter, and I believe we're going to go to the 2nd verse. So let me get there. All right. So I'm going there right now, and let's see what the Word of God says. And again, I'm in the New King James Version, so let's get there. And I appreciate your patience with me today, and I wish I could be in the studio, but God has me there. We're here together, so God is good, and we just have to be able to be open to change, and things don't always have to be the way we need it to be. We need to do what God has called us to do in a season called now. So I'm getting there. Thank you for your patience. I really appreciate it. So, again, we're in Second Samuel, and we are in chapter 5, verse 2. And let's see what the Word of God says. Verse 2. Also, in time past, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord said to you, you shall shepherd my people, Israel, and be ruler over Israel. This is what God said to King David. But understand that word, shepherd. That word shepherd denotes something. Uh, Jesus has always been referred to as the good shepherd. So a shepherd if you will, takes care of his sheep. Not only does he take care of his sheep, he will lay down his life for the sheep. So we have to understand how important that is. And I wanted to do the contrast so you could see where Saul was and what his problem was. And and look at what David is. And I don't even know that God even referred to Saul as a shepherd ever. Wow. Shepherd denotes character. So again, we're talking about uh, spiritual abuse. So we're going to look at the book of Ezekiel now. God was very, very instructive to the prophet Ezekiel when it came to speaking to shepherds and their total disobedience to God in the realm of being a shepherd. Because God is the one that gives you that assignment, amen, to shepherd his people. So he has a standard that you have to operate in because he's holy. So we have to make sure that we are doing what God has called us to do, not what we called ourselves to do. Big difference. So we are going to go to Ezekiel chapter 13, and we're going to look at some foolish people that God has sent Ezekiel to speak to. Again, we're in the New King James Version. We're in Ezekiel, chapter 13, and we are going to start uh, in verse 1 and work our way down. So, chapter 13, verse 1, and the Word of God says this, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Two, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel 
who prophesy and say to those who prophesy out of their own heart, hear the word of the Lord. Wow. Did you guys see that? Did you hear that? It said to those who prophesy out of their own heart. It says, hear the word of the Lord. Verse 3, thus says the Lord God, woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. For, O Israel, your prophets are like foxes in the desert. Five, you have not gone up into the gaps to build a wall for the house of Israel to stand in battle on the day of the Lord. Six, they have envisioned futility and false divination, saying, Thus says the Lord, but the Lord has not sent them, yet they hope that the word may be confirmed. Seven, have you not seen a futile vision, and have you not spoken false divination? You say the Lord says, but I have not spoken. Eight, therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have spoken nonsense and envisioned lies, therefore I am indeed against you, says the Lord God. Nine, my hand will be against the prophets who envision futility and who divine lies. They shall not be in the assembly of my people, nor be written in the record of the house of Israel nor shall they enter into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord God. Ten, because indeed, because they have seduced my people, saying, Peace, when there is no peace, and one builds a wall, and they plaster it with untempered mortar. Eleven, say to those who plaster it with untempered mortar that it will fall. There will be flooding, rain, and you, O great hailstones, shall fall, and a stormy wind shall tear it down. Twelve, surely when the wall has fallen, will it not be said to you, where is the mortar with which you plastered it? Verse 13, therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will cause a stormy wind to break forth in my fury, and there shall be a flooding rain in my anger and great hailstones and fury to consume it. 14, so I will break down the wall you have plastered with untempered mortar and bring it down to the ground so that its foundation will be uncovered. It will fall and you shall be consumed in the midst of it. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Fifteen, thus will I accomplish my wrath on the wall and on those who have plastered with untempered mortar. And I will say to you, the wall is no more, nor those who plastered it. Sixteen, that is, the prophets of Israel who prophesy concerning Jerusalem and who see visions of peace for her when there is no peace, says the Lord God. Seventeen, likewise, son of man, Set your face against the daughters of your people who prophesy out of their own heart. Prophesy against them. 18, and say, Thus says the Lord God, 
Woe to the women who sew magic charms on their sleeves and make veils for the head of people of every height to hunt souls. Will you hunt the souls of my people and keep yourself alive? And will you profane me among my people for handfuls of barley and for pieces of bread, killing people who should not die and keeping people alive who should not live by your lying to my people who listen to lies? 20. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against your magic charms by which you hunt souls. They're like birds. I will tear them from your arms and let the souls go, the souls you hunt like birds. I will also tear off your veils and deliver my people out of your hands, and they shall no longer be as prey in your hands. Then you shall know I am the Lord. Verse 22. Because with lies you have made the heart of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad, and you have strengthened the hands of the wicked, so that he does not turn from his wicked way to save his life. 23. Therefore, you shall no longer envision futility, nor practice divination, for I will deliver my people out of your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Can you imagine God calling his prophet Ezekiel to prophesy against those in the house of Israel who call themselves prophets? but who prophesy out of their own wicked hearts. Spiritual abuse. Thinking that they are the chosen ones, thinking that they are special, that they have power, but they do not prepare the people to build a wall. They talk about material things when they preach. They talk about prosperity when they preach. They don't talk about sin. They don't talk about repentance. They want to talk about baptism, and they want to talk about salvation. They don't talk about forgiveness. They don't talk about how we have to turn our hearts and minds and lives to Christ. They don't talk about holiness. So they have the people sitting in the congregation getting weaker and weaker, and they promote those who think like them and who will do their bidding. If you find yourself amongst a church where that is going on and it's running rapid, I challenge you to read Ezekiel 13 again and read it what what God says he's going to do to them. But you should also feel comfort that God says that he is going to save his people who are under this type of leadership. He is going to set them free. He is going to protect them. You ought to be comforted by that. But there is nobody that should be preaching peace when there is no peace. And there can't be peace when you have this going on because it's bringing fury to God. And bringing fury to God, you will experience his wrath. If he says it, he's going to do it. No one will go unpunished, not even those who believe. You will be punished. 
for the things you do and the things that you don't do. But we have the gift of repentance, and we need to operate in it. It's not too late to stop having this type of behavior. Because you're going to forfeit your inheritance, and we'll get to that in the book of Revelation. But right now, I want to go over to Ezekiel chapter 44. Let's go over a little bit, and let's look at the first six verses. Again, we're in Ezekiel 44, and we're going to read the first six verses, and I am in the New King James Version. We're talking about spiritual abuse today. Ezekiel 44. Verse 1, and the Word of God says this, And the Word of the Lord came to me, saying, 2. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord, Go to the shepherds, woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? 3. You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. For the weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. Six, my sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth and no one was seeking or searching for them. We need to pause right there, and we need to think about that. This is a serious indictment against those who claim to do the work of God. Now, it was going on back then. It's still very prevalent today. It says, you didn't Strengthen the weak, nor have you healed the sick, nor have you bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you ruled them. Let's look at the definition that we used again for spiritual abuse. It could be defined as someone in a position of authority or leadership in the church taking advantage of such a position by misusing such a position that God has placed them in to try and manipulate, undermine, control, abuse, or coerce them into something unbiblical or godly, ungodly. The shepherd, the good shepherd is one that will lay down his life for his sheep and never leave his sheep. These are not an example of good shepherds. Now let's go on a little bit, and let's look at verse 7. Therefore, you shepherds heard, excuse me, let me start again, verse 7. Again, we're in Ezekiel 34. Verse 7, therefore, you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. 8, as I live, 
says the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey and my flock became food for every beast of the field because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherd search for my flock. But the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Nine, therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Ten, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand. I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep, and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more. For I will deliver my flock from their mouths, and they may no longer be food for them. Wow. You heard it. Look at verse 8. It says, As I live, says the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey and my flock became food for every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherd search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. He says, 9. Therefore, O shepherds, Hear the word of the Lord. Ten, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand. I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep, and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more, for I will deliver my flock from their mouths, and they may no longer be food for them. We have a living God in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? It says, As I live. What an indictment, what a sentence, what a punishment. But those who have been under those reckless and wicked shepherds, I was saying sheriffs, I think uh, my woman of God knows who I'm talking about, the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Look at what God is going to do himself for you. We must be encouraged to know that the Lord knows all and sees all. And he is not going to allow those shepherds to continue. He's going to personally take care of it. So we need to go to the book of Revelation. And we need to see some things here. And we need to be reassured that spiritual abuse is an abomination to the Lord. God is not pleased, no way, no how, with spiritual abuse. So we're going to go to the book of Revelation. And I think I'm going to go to chapter 21. So I want to look there and see what we have. All right, turn it all the way to the back. So I am going to look at um, verse uh, 8. So let me turn to that and uh, get right back with you. So we're going to look at verse 8, and again, I'm in the New King James Version. But I think I want to go up to um, verse 6, and then I will go down and include verse 8 
and let's look at verse 5. Let's go 5 through 8. Again, I'm in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, and I want to look at verses 5 through 8. Verse 5, and the Word of God says this, Then he sat, no, let me start again, verse 5, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Verse 6, And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Verse 7, He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Verse 8, But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Pay close attention to where it says all liars. So when we look at those who call themselves shepherds, and they're preaching out of their own hearts, they are liars, and they have been liars from the beginning. And the one who's the father of lies, the author of lies, is Satan himself. So you're operating as Satan as your father and not our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ as your father. It's a big difference. So you have an opportunity to stop what you're doing if you find yourself being a spiritual abuser and misusing the authority that God has given you because you are hurting his sheep and he has laid down his life for his sheep. He is the good shepherd. So we need to be very, very mindful of this, men and women of God, and make sure that when we sit in fellowship, and we sit in houses of God, that we are looking at the man of God and those in leadership who have the character that God requires, and not those who are abusing the authority that God has given them. It's a gift, and you don't abuse it. There are serious consequences for that. And we've been going over that and looking at that. So they even have the characteristics of false prophets. They are liars. They claim that God has been speaking through him when through them when he hasn't. They follow their own spirit rather than God. They speak peace when there is no speak peace. They white they whitewash evil. And they are eventually exposed and judged by God. They utilize good luck charms and all other type of superstitious methods. They don't really care for those that they're ministering to. And they spare the guilty and punish the innocent, often for financial gain. They encourage sinners to continue sinning and leading to their destruction. Why? Because they're sinners of the worst kind. So why would you talk about something that you're doing and, matter of fact, profited from doing? You won't hear 
these type of messages on spiritual abuse. They don't talk about that. Why? Because it's exposing who they are and what they do. Why would they want to stop? They've already made up their mind that they are the authority. And only they speak to God. And only God speaks to them. But we know that that's a lie. So let's look at Revelation 21, and let's go down to the 27th verse. Okay. So, but let's go up to verse 22, and then let's go down to 27. And the Word of God says this. Again, we're in Revelation 21, we're in the New King James Version, and we're starting at verse 22, and we're going to go down to 27. Verse 22, But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. 23, The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. 24, And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. 25, its gate shall be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. 26, and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. 27, but there shall be by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life talks about an abomination or a lie, and only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Well, in reading Ezekiel 13 and Ezekiel 34, it is very apparent that God is not going to allow spiritual abusers who operate in his house, who scatter his sheep, and who do not take care of his sheep, to be a part of the new Jerusalem. They do not represent God's glory at all. And darkness will not be able to enter in. There is no need for night. It's light all the time because the Lamb, which is our Lord and Savior, illuminates it and makes it shine brightly, not some of the time, all the time. So we need to be vigilant, and we need to call a thing a thing. So I'm hoping that I'm giving you some encouragement and some excellent spiritual information that's necessary for you to do an assessment of where you are and who you're with in a season called now when it comes down to the things of God, because we cannot a situation in a location where we are being slaughtered. We cannot do that, especially when it's supposed to come from the inside. No, 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 no. We know what the enemy is doing. We cannot allow this come against the kingdom of God. No. The enemy can be within. doesn't necessarily have to be on the outside of the walls. It can be on the inside with us. And we have to know what it is and call it out and address it as such. So we are in Deuteronomy right now, and we are in chapter 18. And I want to look at verses 9 through 14. Again, 
We're in Deuteronomy chapter 18, and we are looking at verses 9 through 14. And it talks about uh, avoiding wicked customs at this time. So uh, verse 9, the Word of God says this, When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. Ten, there shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer. Eleven, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritualist, or one who calls up the dead. Twelve, for all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. Thirteen, you shall be blameless before the Lord your God. Fourteen, for these nations which you will dispose, dispose, dispossess, listen to soothsayers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed such for you. You have to understand, we're not supposed to be like the ones that God was driving out of Canaan because he was driving them out, and he didn't want the house of Israel to look like them, do anything like them, participate in what they participated in, because they would totally would not have the protection of God. They would feel his wrath. And that's why he brought them out of Egypt, so that they would know up close and personal what God considered an abomination. So, you know, God is calling us to a holy priesthood. We're a peculiar people. We have to carry the message. And we cannot carry the message when we want to manipulate. We cannot carry the message when we want to intimidate. We cannot carry the message when we will not take care of our own. So we can't do that. We are not into mind control. God wants us to freely love him. He does not want to scare us into loving him. Because if you're scared into loving someone or doing something, you're not doing it with a cheerful heart or a glad heart. He's not that kind of God. It's totally against what he is. Jesus stayed on the cross because he loved us. And he knew that sin in our life would kill us and separate us totally from God. He shed his precious blood so that we can have a relationship, so that we can enter into the new Jerusalem that we just went over in Revelation chapter 21, in the last few verses there. We cannot support those who would spiritually abuse the Word of God. We cannot support those who call themselves. We cannot do that under any circumstances. And you see a lot of synchronism today. And that's spelled S-Y-N-C-R-E-T-I-S-M. Again, it's 
pronounced synchronism. It's spelled S-Y-N-C-R-E-T-I-S-M. And it's actually blending different religious practices and thoughts into Christ-centered beliefs, doctrine, and relationships. Now, what do you need a rabbit's foot for if you have the Word of God? What is the rabbit's foot doing for you? Why do you need to study zodiac signs when you have the Word of God, when you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, when the Holy Spirit is an indwelling in you and is there always for you when you have a relationship? He is the comforter. He is the helper. Why do you need that? And how is that pleasing God? Because everything we do is a form of worship. You think you can bring a rabbit's foot to God? You think you need lucky numbers? What does luck and the Lord have in common? Nothing. Luck is not even something you can use to describe the kingdom of God. What does luck have to do with it? God is an intentional God. He's a personal God. So what does he need that when he has purpose and he has intention? And he can speak a word and something can manifest. He can blow his breath into something and it can live eternally. What does he have use for charms and soothsayers? and talking to the dead. He can bring us back to life. He can straighten that that is crooked. He can repair that that is broken. He can heal that that is sick. What does he need charms for and soothsayers and omens? How does that honor God? And how, when we mix practices, how does that honor God? and having big anniversary parties. How does that honor God? Church anniversaries, pastor anniversaries. That's a denominational thing. That's a man thing. That's not a God thing. Know the difference, men and women of God. Uh, We have just a few minutes left. So we're going to go over to Matthew uh, chapter 23. I want to go over to Matthew chapter 23. And let's look at Jesus talking to some people that thought that they were special. They were elitist, separatists. They thought they had everything. So uh, let's look and see what uh, Jesus is saying to them. Uh, We're going to look at Matthew 23, and we're going to start in verse 1. Again, I'm in the New King James Version. Verse 1, then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, too, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Three, therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, then observe and do. But do not do according to their works, for they say, and do not do. Four, for they find heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Five, 
but all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their fly prestes broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. Six, they love the best places and feasts and the best seats in the synagogue. Seven, greeting in the marketplaces and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. Eight, but you do not be called Rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. Nine, do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in the heaven. Ten, and do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. Eleven, but he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. Twelve, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Thirteen, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourself, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Fourteen, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. Wow. All right. Well, we appreciate you participating in this lesson today that we talked about spiritual abuse. I will be back next week in studio with Vernon. We love you. Take this to heart and save the lost at all costs. And God bless you. Bye-bye. It is our humble prayer that the Most High God of all creation and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ continues to bless you and yours without cease for tuning in today and supporting this great move of God with your generous donations. Save the Lost at All Costs is a Holy Spirit field, live called in weekly radio ministry that has been airing since 2005 and serving in the greater Las Vegas community. We can be heard every Sunday at 3.02 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Las Vegas. Vegas's very own Christian Talk radio stations, 1060 AM and 101.5 FM. Also, we are audio and video streamed in real time during our live broadcast at www.kkvv.com and our website, www.savethelostlv.org. If you would like to re-listen to a previous broadcast at no charge, make an online secure donation, or learn more about our ministry, please visit our website at www.savethelostlv.org. If you prefer, you can mail in a donation. Address it to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc., P.O. Box number 335852, North Las Vegas, 89033. Again, our P.O. Box number is 335852, North Las Vegas, 89033. All donations made to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc. are 100% tax deductible. For more information, please feel free to call or text us at 702-219-6882. Again, 702-219-6882. We would like to thank you again. Remember to remain in Christ, stay prayed up, tune in, and don't forget to save the lost at all costs, no matter what.